Good morning, everyone. This morning's reading is from Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 9. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exacerbate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Well, do keep that passage open in your Bible or on your phone uh, and let's pray together as we come to God's word. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that yours are the words of life. Father, thank you that now as we get time to, to listen to you speak, you help us to see the Lord Jesus. And that's what we pray, Father. Please help us to see him clearly and to be changed by what we see. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week, if you were with us, we began by thinking about uh, some of the pressures that lockdown has put on our marriages, how uh, spending a bit more time together in the home has exposed some of the joys, but also the hard aspects of being married. And I think it's fair to say that lockdown has had a similar effect on our family life and on our work life. Whether you're a a teenager stuck at home or a parent trying to balance work emails with changing nappies, lockdown has put pressure on family and work life together. And it's those areas of life that Paul now focuses on in his letter. Uh, But just as we saw with marriage last week, uh, Paul's intention is not just to give us practical tips for parenting in lockdown. Uh, He's not giving us life hacks for working at home. Now, remember, every piece of practical advice that he gives comes in the context of the gospel. It's through belief in the gospel that our lives are completely transformed. We're brought from death to life by God's grace. And then it's in the gospel that we're called to live lives worthy of that calling, called to be the people God has made us to be. And Paul's also said that as we live like this, as we walk as children of light, well, we display God's wisdom and grace to the watching world. We saw that in the picture of marriage last week, didn't we? That when wives submit and husbands sacrifice, it paints a picture of the glorious relationship between Christ and his church. And so it's the gospel that gives significance and purpose to everything that we do, every relationship that we have, whether that's our marriages or whether that's in the home or in the workplace. And so today we're going to see what difference does the gospel make to our lives at home and at work. 
And Paul begins in the home. So we see the gospel at home. Verse one, he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Paul's first instruction is to children, and it's a pretty straightforward one, isn't it? He says, children, you should obey your parents. Now, I guess that if you're a child sitting at home on the sofa right now, immediately you start to think, yeah, but do I have to when they do this? Or what about when they ask me that? Our minds feel full of all sorts of ifs and buts. But, but Paul is pretty clear, isn't he? He says, no, children, obey your parents. And then he explains why in verse one. Just have a look there again. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord it is right. Paul says obeying your parents is the right thing to do, not because they're more important than you, not because they always know what's right or best, although they often do. No, you should obey your parents because, well, that is how you obey Jesus. That's why Paul says to obey them in the Lord. As a teenager, I remember having loads of questions about what it means to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. You see, like lots of you, I I grew up going to church. I went to Sunday school and youth group. And so I'd heard the gospel hundreds of times. I knew very well how to become a Christian. I understood that, that Jesus had paid for my sin and that if I repented and trusted in him, then I could be completely forgiven welcomed into God's family as one of his children. I knew how to become a Christian. The questions I had were, what's next? What does it mean to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus? How do you spot a a radical, countercultural, wholehearted Christian? What do they look like? Those are some of the questions I had, and maybe you have similar ones. But you see the answer Paul gives here. He says, you want to know what what following Jesus looks like? It looks like tidying your bedroom when your mum and dad have asked you to. It looks like coming home at the time that you've agreed. It It looks like putting your phone away at dinner time because, well, that's what you've been asked to do. Paul says obeying your parents is right because that's how you obey Jesus. That being said, if your parents are telling you to do things that mean disobeying Jesus, well then that probably isn't the right thing to do. But assuming that's not the case, Paul says, this is how you walk as a follower of Jesus. Children, obey your parents. Obey them because it's right and obey them because it's good. Just look at verse 2. Honour your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Paul points the Ephesians back to a command he gave way back in the time of Moses. As they were on the edge of the promised land, God said to them that when they entered the land, they would need to live as his people, live in a way that made them stand out from the nations around them. And so he gave them commands or instructions to show them how to do that. And this is one of them. Honour your parents and it will go well with you when you enter the land. That was the command God gave to his people back then. And here in his letter, Paul takes that command and he applies it to God's people now. 
He says to the Ephesians and to us, this is how you can live distinctive lives. This is how you can stand out as belonging to and following Jesus. By honouring your parents, honouring your mum and dad. And if you do that, well, it'll go well with you. Not in the land, but, verse 3, in your life on earth. Clearly, Paul isn't saying there in verse 3 that every time you tidy your bedroom, you, you add a few years to your life expectancy. But no, there is a general principle that by obeying your parents, you'll help to create a, a family, a home life in which everybody can grow, can be built up in the Lord. Just as submission and sacrifice is best for marriages, Paul says that children's obedience is best for family life. And so God's way is not only right, it's also good. But it's not just children who have a role to play, is it? Verse 4, Paul talks to fathers. Just look there. He says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Back in chapter 5, Paul explained that it's the husband who is the head of the household. And so that's who he focuses on when he comes to instructions for parenting. Of course, that isn't to say that mums don't have a crucial role to play in family life. Paul has just told children to submit to both mum and dad, and so they're both in view here. But there is a particular focus on fathers, fathers who should take a lead when it comes to family life. And so what does Paul say parents, and in particular fathers, should do? Well, he begins there on the negative, doesn't he? He says, don't exasperate, don't provoke your children to anger. In other words, don't make it unnecessarily difficult for your children to obey you. Whether that's through unreasonable demands or harsh discipline or inconsistent rules or constant criticism, whether it's insensitivity to the different characters and needs of your children, Paul says, look, don't make life hard for your kids. Probably the best antidote for that kind of parenting is to spend time thinking about how God is our perfect father in heaven. I find that I'm far less likely to exasperate my children if I remember that even in my stubbornness and tantrums, God is patient and gentle with me. Even in my willful disobedience and rebellion, he is gracious and loving towards me. That is how God treats me as one of his children. And so Paul says, don't exasperate your children. Don't exasperate them. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The phrase, bring them up, uh, speaks of a, a more of a, a long-term nurturing kind of relationship. And so parenting isn't a place of just kind of plugging in the right code and out pops the perfect child. No, it's the slow burn of a loving, secure relationship. A relationship in which, Paul says, you train and instruct them in the Lord. As, parent, as a parent of two young kids, I'm very aware of the pressure that our culture puts on mums and dads to do parenting well. There are just endless books and blogs and courses and classes all telling you 
how to produce a flawless child who will grow up to be a well-rounded, successful adult. And there are so many cultural do's and don'ts, aren't there? And then you throw in social media and the endless stream of pictures of other people's children who just seem so perfect. And so when you listen to all those voices together, the voices of the world, well, parenting becomes a complicated business. But when you listen to God's voice, well, it's actually pretty straightforward. You see, in amongst all the good and bad advice that's out there, God says there's actually just one book you need to read. There's only one book you must ensure that you teach your, your children. Only one thing that you really must do. And that is to bring your children up to know about Jesus through his word. And so it's Christ and his word that should shape the way that you train and discipline your kids. It's Christ and his word that should set the priorities for your family. It's Christ and his word that should be at the heart of all the values that you teach your children. And it's Christ and his word that should be the motivation for the decisions that you help them to make. Just as we saw with marriages last week, that the practical details of that are going are gonna to look different in every different family. But that's the principle. Christ and his word at the centre of all you do. That's the principle, and here are three uh, things that might help you as you think about how to apply that. The first is to speak up. The main way that children get to know Jesus is by their parents talking about Jesus. And so as simple as it sounds, if you're a parent, it is really important that you make God's word part of your day-to-day vocabulary. That begins by opening up the Bible with your kids, spending time reading it with them and helping them to understand and apply it to their lives. Speaking about Jesus begins by opening up God's word, but it doesn't end there. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, God tells Israelite parents to to talk about God's word when they're at home and on the road, when they lie down and when they get up. In other words, all of the time. And so whether it's on the school run or out for a walk or playing in the garden, we're to keep talking about Jesus with our kids. It keeps showing them how Jesus shapes and affects every area of our life, not just our Sunday morning. So that's the first thing, speak up. Uh, The second is to pray up. We've seen in Ephesians that it's God who brings people from spiritual death to new life in Christ. That is not something that we are able to do for anyone, including our kids. Which means the big thing we really need to do is to pray for them. To pray every day that as you speak to them about Jesus, God would be at work by his spirit in their hearts, helping them to know him and to love him more. Speak up, pray up, and then thirdly, turn up. Remember, Paul's letter is not written to individual parents, but to the church as a whole. And one of his big messages has been that Christians grow together. We're Christ's body. And so our job is to help each other to grow to maturity, to be built up in Christ. And again, the same is true for our children. If they're going to grow up in Christ, they need to be part of Christ's body, part of the church. And so it's vital that we turn up. 
that we come and be part of that body. Speak up, pray up, turn up. That's how Paul says the gospel shapes our lives as a family, shapes our lives in a home. It's only a few verses, isn't it? But there are some big implications for us to talk and think and pray about this week. But next, Paul moves on to show how the gospel shapes life at work. Uh, Just look at verse five with me. He says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Now, I imagine that Paul talking about slaves immediately rings alarm bells in our minds. And so it's really important that we see what Paul is trying to do and what he's not trying to do in these verses. What he isn't doing here is condoning the practice of slavery. We can see that from the verses themselves. I wonder if you noticed uh, over last week and this week that Paul grounds his instructions for marriage and family life in creation and in God's law. But that isn't the case when it comes to slavery. That's because whilst slavery was definitely a common practice in Paul's day, it is not part of God's good design for human relationships. In fact, in another letter to Timothy, Paul condemns slave traders along with other evil and sinful practices. So Paul doesn't support slavery here. No, he does recognise, however, that for many of his readers, many of those listening to this letter, that would have been an experience on a day-to-day basis. And so his aim here is to show how the gospel applies, how it shapes your life, whether you're a slave or a master. And whilst the sad reality is that slavery does still exist in forms in our world and even in our country, it's probably not part of our day-to-day experience, but that doesn't mean these words are irrelevant. I think we can still apply them to our workplace relationships. And so whether a slave or a master or an employer or an employee, we need to listen to what Paul has to say. And in verse 5, he says, you should obey your boss, just as you would obey Christ. Not that that your boss has some sort of godlike status in the company and must be obeyed without question, but that you need to recognise that in obeying your earthly master, you are actually obeying your heavenly master. He's the one who's given you this task. Jesus is the one who's given you your job. And so when you do it, you do it out of obedience to him. That's also why Paul says in verses six and seven that we should do it wholeheartedly, not just when our boss is checking up on us. I wonder how your approach to work has changed since lockdown. Has working from home led to a a bit of a more relaxed approach when it comes to social media in work hours? Is there a temptation to to clock in way before you actually get any work done? I remember being particularly guilty of this when I was at school, uh, working much harder in the weeks leading up to school reports. I'm in no doubt that my teachers were absolutely wise to what I was trying to do. But we can all be tempted to do the same sort of thing, can't we? Tempted to, to work to please people rather than to please the Lord. And so here's a good question you could ask yourself at work this week. If your boss saw everything you do, 
Would they have a better view of you or a worse one? Would they be pleasantly surprised or disappointed? Because Paul says walking wisely, being a spirit-filled employee, means working wholeheartedly. Whether you're at home in your home office or whether your boss, boss is breathing down your neck. You work that way because, verse 7, it's Christ you're serving. And verse 8, he is the one who rewards your faithfulness. So slaves, obey your masters just as you obey Christ. And then in verse 9, he says, masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And there's no favouritism with him. As we've worked through this letter to the Ephesians, Paul's wanted us to be in absolutely no doubt who is really in charge. He's shown us, isn't he, that, that Christ is king. He's the boss. He's the head. All things are united under him. And so here he says it doesn't really matter whether you're a CEO or stacking shelves. You work in a way that acknowledges who the true boss is. And for bosses, those in charge, that means reflecting Christ's leadership in the way that you lead others. Not using bullying or threats to get your own way. Not using fear as a way to control people. But, in, but treating your employees with fairness and respect. Not behaving like some sort of God in the workplace, but demonstrating the humility of someone who lives under the authority of Christ. And so a good question for you if you're a boss this week is this. Do you lead in a way that shows you submit to Christ? Or have you convinced yourself that you are the highest authority and so you can do what you like with the people under you? I've all spoken to husbands and wives, to children and to parents, to slaves and to masters. And a few weeks ago, we thought about how this section is a bit like his sort of walking guide to the Christian life, didn't we? His guidebook to show us how to walk in the light of God's amazing grace. And I hope that as we've listened to his instructions, you've seen how practical, how day to day they are. How following Jesus and walking wisely, it affects every area, every relationship in our lives. It transforms every decision and every priority. And so what we need to do really is to pray. As we come to the end of this section, we need to pray that the Spirit would work in us. That he would give us the, the ability and the power to choose the right path. To walk as children of light. Whether we're a husband or a wife, uh, a parent or a child, a worker or a boss. Whoever we are, whatever we do. Let's pray that we would walk as children of light. And that as we do that... Others would see the glory of Christ in us and they too would be brought from death to life in him. Let's pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that the gospel is true and that it affects everything. Father, please help us to see that there is not one aspect of our lives that is not under the authority, the kingship of our Lord Jesus. And so we pray that you would, uh, by your spirit, transform, that you would change 
the way that we live. In all our relationships, in all our actions and decisions, priorities and plans, Father, would we be those who submit to Christ, that follow him and walk as children of light. We ask that you'd help us to do that this week. In Jesus' name, amen.